0: Good morning again. This morning we are continuing our series together called Controversial Jesus. We're picking up where we left off just before Christmas and we're looking at the teachings of Jesus that are controversial in our day and to be honest also in his day as well. Teachings that are often opposed to the culture around us or things that reveal weakness in our society today. And if you didn't hear the opening one of this series, I want to encourage you to listen back to it. Uh, It was in November time, and you can listen to it on our website or anywhere you can get a podcast, because it will help you see that in all these difficult difficult conversations that we're going to have together, what we're looking to do is be faithful to the Word of God, to work out what that means in our lives today, to seek to live holy lives. And we're going to do it trusting God, because we know that God always wants his best for us. Even if we don't understand what that is, God always wants his best for each one of us. And today we're going to think about the topic of a radical friendship together. And we're going to read from John 15 verses 9 to 17, and that will come on the screen as well. But I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, to get it out. It's always good to have your own Bible in front of you to read from. If you want a paper one, there's some at the back, you can go and grab one. we will be referring to the text as we go along this morning. So verse 9 of John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, today, from this passage in John and from other bits of scripture that I'm going to reference, we're going to look at the topic of friendship together. You might be thinking, well, friendship doesn't sound too controversial, does it? There's nothing particularly challenging about friendship. But actually, as we're going to see, there are bits that Jesus says to us in the way that he lived his life that are controversial in his day, that are controversial in our world today because they're things that cost us and cause us to live differently from the world around us. And to explore this topic today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave us an um, opportunity to discuss with our neighbour. So if you're not sitting next to someone, because all the kids around you have gone, I'd encourage you just to move along the road, change places very quickly, so you've got someone you can chat with, and I'm going to leave us moments of quiet as well. I want to encourage you, at the beginning of this as well, there's a really good book I've been reading this week called True Friendship by Vaughan Roberts. And if you want to read further about friendship, it's a really short book, True Friendship by Vaughan Roberts. He's a vicar in Oxford. I'd really recommend this. It's an excellent book that explores what Jesus says to us today about friendship. It'll probably take you just over an hour to read, maybe longer if you're like me, because I kept um, pausing to have to think about what he was saying. But I'd really encourage you to read that book. And actually, maybe for some of us here this morning, this topic is going to be tricky because actually maybe at the minute we feel really lonely. Maybe our friends have been rubbish recently. I want to encourage you this morning to come and receive prayer in our time of response this morning to allow God to minister to you. And if you're part of the church here and you feel lonely, I want to say the place where we find friendship in our church is a Barnabas community. And if you're visiting this morning and you want to find friendship here, join a Barnabas community as well. And if your response to me is, well, Tim, I'm already in a Barnabas community and I feel lonely, my suggestion is try another one and come and tell me which community you're in. And we'll work with those leaders to help that community become a place of friendship because we need our communities to be that place of friendship as a starting place for all that God has for them. So before we go any further, I'm going to pause for a minute and we're going to pray. And then we'll get into this topic together. So Lord Jesus, we invite your presence with us this morning. We pray, Come Holy Spirit, come and reveal your grace and your truth through this passage about this topic we're looking at this morning. Amen. To so many of us, um, friendship with others, I think, is something that is so normal, something that we often take for granted. But we'll all know, won't we, that the pandemic exposed lots of cracks in our society. And one of them that we saw was loneliness So in the summer of 2021, bearing in mind this is after lockdowns had ended, a government survey showed that in our nation, 7% of people said they felt always or often lonely. It's 3 million people in our society, in our country today, who feel always or often lonely. But the really shocking bit is, if you look at the age demographics of that, those who are 16 to 24 are five times more likely to feel lonely than the average person. That's 35% of 16 to 24-year-olds today feel always or often lonely. I remember the media images during the lockdown, it was often um, the things where they exposed loneliness was often older people where you get neighbours knocking on their window sharing stories but the reality is there's a whole generation of people who are five times, it's actually way more than five times um, than the older people that we saw because if you think about the stats of it, it would be higher still, who are more lonely. Many of us will have grown up watching um, the sitcom Friends will remember the theme song, won't we? I'll be there for you. I'm not going to sing it. You'll be pleased to know. David Schwimmer, the actor who plays Ross, commented about the show. He said, it's a fantasy, really, for most people, having a group of friends who become a family. See, that program was portraying what people were longing for, but not necessarily experiencing. So the question that leaves me with is why do we experience this loneliness? Why aren't we okay on our own? Why do we need friends? And the first thing I want to say this morning is that God has made each one of us to be a relational being. God has made everyone to need friends in life. And that's because we are made in his image. All human beings, whether we believe in him or not, are made in the image of of God. Genesis one twenty-six says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our own likeness. Notice how God uses the plural there. You see, God is eternally living in the friendship of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, living in perfect harmony with each other. And part of that image that we reflect is that we are relational beings like him. We need other people in our lives, not people to gain from, but people to love and to be in a mutually beneficial relationship with. See, God has made us to need friends. And that's why throughout all of Scripture, the Bible tells us that friendship is so important and something to be valued. There are so many proverbs on friendship. When you read through the book of Proverbs, I'd encourage you to do this. You'll see so many references to friendship, wisdoms that reflect the character of God in our friendships. There are many stories in scripture, good and bad, of friendships, and there are accounts where God calls people his friend. Think of Moses and Abraham are good examples of this. But the reality is that we, as human beings, are marred by sin. Since the fall, since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and as fallen humans, our identity too is marred by sin. And that means our friendships reflect that. So we're just going to pause for a moment. What I want you to do is to turn to your neighbour. So we're made in the image of God. Which part of God's character do you think is important to reflect in friendship with others? So 30 seconds, turn to someone next to you. What part of God's character do you think is important for you to reflect in your friendship with others? So I'm going to give us 10 seconds more. Five, four, three, two, one. And let's come back together. So now I want to draw us on. And we're going to focus in on Jesus' ministry in particular, his teaching and the way he lived. And there are so many things that I could have picked this morning. We could be here for a very long time because there's so many, but I'm just going to stick with four in particular that I think are helpful for us when we're looking at this topic together. And the first thing is this that Jesus had deep friendships, Jesus had deep and meaningful relationships. When we think about the ministry of Jesus, he interacted with so many people, people who he clearly loved. But he chose 12 people to become his close friends and followers. And from those 12, he chose three to become his closest friends. He had a deep relationship with Peter, James, and John. And we know that John doesn't, he describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Many of us here will have many friends, but we need to have some friends where we have a deep and intimate relationship with a smaller number who know us well. And I think that's something that's getting harder and harder in our society today. If you think of social media, you might have five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred 900 friends, and I think you've got 10,000. Is that right? <laughs> How many of those relationships are really meaningful? We live in a transient world, don't we? I was uh, thinking uh, yesterday. Actually, I've lived in four places, four cities in the last ten years. Me- deep and meaningful relationships take a long time to build. They take time to cultivate. And actually in our society today, often uh, with the way that work goes um, and with the distance, because that transient nature we live in, we don't see those people as often, maybe uh, in face-to-face as we want to. Maybe we do. Um, we just think, oh, we can just do a Zoom call or a video call. But actually we need those relationships to be face-to-face. We need to be with those people. See, because we are all made for intimacy, for closeness. And again, this is reflecting the fact that we are made in the image of God, reflecting the Trinitarian relationship. The most intimate relationship that's ever existed is that of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In our passage from John, Jesus tells us that the love that he has experienced from the Father, he then shows to his disciples. You see, we're made for intimate relationships And for those who are single here, those intimate relationships are vital to provide closeness and connection with others. Because it's important to remember that marriage doesn't provide all of our relational need. Marriage doesn't provide all the closeness and intimacy that we need as human beings. We should, I should say, uh, as a a character, we should have deep and meaningful friendships with our spouses. Actually, that's where our marriages should start. They should start as friends. But we need other relationships too. We need committed, long-term friendships that show us intimacy uh, outside marriage, that show that intimacy outside marriage is in fact possible in our day and age. It's important to show that to the world around us, that you can have intimacy without a sexual relationship. And who better to witness to that than the life of Jesus? In Proverbs 18.24, it says that some friends play at friendship, but a true friend sticks closer than one's nearest kin. See, these, de- these deep relationships are there to help us, to bless us, to show us love. We need to let these friends speak into our lives to offer us rebuke and correction when we need it and just to give us space to be ourselves, to be the person who God has made us to be. And we see in verse 15 of this passage that Jesus opens himself up to his disciples. He shares what the Father has taught him. They know the master's business. That have been deep and intimate details about their relationship. See, deep friendships need to be places of openness and honesty. And Jesus invited with him Peter, James, and John into one of the most vulnerable moments we see in all of his ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus becomes overwhelmed with what lays before him, where he feels the grief of what's about to happen. He invites his friends to share that moment with him, to support him, to walk alongside him. And we need deep friends like Peter, James and John to walk in those moments of life with us too. We also need to be prepared that deep friendships can also mean they deep pain when things go wrong. And I think that's why we need to be wise about who we allow those deep friendships to be with. And why we need to invest in them, why we need to prioritise them and why we need to act in a good way in them. So we're going to pause again for a moment before we move on to something else. I want us just to be quiet for a moment now and ask ourselves, who are our deep friends this morning? Who are those people that we have an intimate and close relationship with in life? And maybe you're sitting here thinking, I don't know who they are. I don't have any. And what I want to encourage you to do is just in this moment, just to ask God to reveal to you who those people might be. So let's just take a moment of quiet together. The next thing that I want us to think about is sacrifice. In friendships, we need to sacrifice. Verse 13 of our passage, it says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for his friends. He could have said there that he laid down his life for his family, because we are his family, aren't we? We're his brothers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of his church. He could have said family, but he chooses to say friends. And that's because he loves his friends. Now, what I'm not saying here is that you'll need to go out and die in the place of your friends today. Just to make that very clear. But we do need to sacrifice for them. And that's something we see so much in the story of the New Testament in the early church. Think of that really classic passage, Acts 2, where they shared everything they had in common. For those who had a lot in that moment, that would have been costly and sacrificial. I think it's common for us to think about sacrificing for God, isn't it? What we give up for God. It's common for us to think about sacrificing for family, giving things up for our spouse, giving things up for our kids, But it's rare for us to hear stories of people sacrificing things in life for their friends, of giving up their desires, things they want, giving of their time and of their money, costly ways to sacrifice for their friends. But we need to sacrifice for our friends because sacrifice is an important part of what it means to show love to others. One of the things I think that we need to sacrifice To have good friendships is to sacrifice our time. So if we want to have those deep and intimate friendships that I've been talking about, I think those are relationships that might often mean a sacrifice of time, of other things that we want to do in life. It might mean sacrifice of time with family. It might mean sacrifice of hobbies and of other things. But those are relationships that we need to invest in. And actually for those of us who are married, maybe if we've got uh, deep and intimate relationships with single friends, maybe actually we need to sacrifice some of our time to show them that close and intimate relationship with others. Maybe we need to sacrifice something of ourselves to show them that meaningful, close and intimate connection. The other thing that I feel God might be saying for some of us this morning uh, is actually that we need to sacrifice some of our friendships Proverbs thirteen twenty says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. And maybe we think God is saying to some of us this morning, some of our friendships aren't healthy and aren't good. And actually those are the things maybe that we need to sacrifice so that we walk in the ways of Jesus with our friends. That doesn't mean you can't be friends with non-Christians, but maybe actually some of us need to not be friends with people who lead us astray and offer us so much challenge in life it becomes difficult to show God to them. There's a really great quote from C.S. Lewis where he says, Friendship can be a school of virtue, but also a school of vice. It is ambivalent. It makes good men better and bad men worse. So I want you to pause again for a second. I want you to turn to your neighbour again. I want you to see if you can think of a time where a friend has sacrificed for you. Share it with your neighbour. And how did it make you feel? You have 30 seconds. Go for it quickly. So Ten seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's draw back together. Yeah, blast off. Thanks, Martha. We'll try that next time. The third thing that I think we see in Jesus' ministry is that he made friends with people who weren't like him. He didn't have a monochrome group of friends. He made friends with tax collectors, prostitutes, and social outcasts. He made friends with people that were different from himself. And this is something I felt really challenged in this week. See, most of my friends, most of my really good friends have really comfortable lifestyles. They are a lot like me. Actually, in fact, lots of my good friends are vicars, and, or since I've become a vicar, they have become vicars themselves. don't become a friend of me if you don't want to become a vicar. Um, but here's the controversial thing. What if we followed in Jesus's footsteps and made friends with people who were social outcasts in our society today? You see, as a staff team at the moment, we've been supporting a lady who comes to the door a lot during the week, and she's in some real struggles at the moment. She's sleeping rough a lot of the time. She's actually a really challenging person. She's got a horrendous life but I know that she's exactly the kind of person that Jesus would be making friends with, that he'd be sitting down and eating a meal with, asking her how she's doing and trying to get to know her. And I felt challenged to ask myself this week, am I able to be her friend? Is she able to call me her friend? Can we extend a hand of meaningful relationship to her? See, this it is going to be really challenging to do that. Maybe there's some people in your life at the moment that you're coming across. Maybe it's the colleague at work who gossips about everybody. Maybe it's the neighbour on your street that no one likes. Maybe the one who always moans. We can all think about one of those. Maybe it's the homeless guy who you walk past every day. And God is calling you in this moment now to extend a hand of friendship towards them. Maybe God is asking you to be their friend Now that might look different in different situations. So word of caution, if you're going to make friends with people who are in difficult circumstances and difficult uh, situations, we need to be really careful how we do that so that it is safe for them as well as for us. But we can still send a hand, still show them God's hand of friendship and our hand of friendship. So again, we're just going to pause for a moment. We're going to have a moment of quiet. What is the challenge for you there? What strikes you? about what I've just said. Who might God be calling you to extend a hand of friendship to this day? The final thing I want to look at this morning, which for me is the most radical, the most controversial thing that Jesus said in that day and in our day today. is verse 15 of our passage in John. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. See, Christianity is the only major religion where God himself offers us a hand of friendship, where God longs to be your friend. The creator of the universe, the one who brought all life into existence, the one who is all powerful, completely loving, always faithful, full of grace and truth, the saviour of the world, the one who died in your place, taking all your sin and shame, and instead offers you life and life in all its fullness, eternal life. That person, Jesus Christ, wants to be your friend. Wants to be the closest friend you'll ever have, the most meaningful relationship you will ever have. And how amazing is that? To think about the God who made all of this into existence, the God who created you, who knows everything about you, who knows all the bad things you do, and often what a horrible person you might be. He still longs to be your friend no matter what. See, there are so many things about Jesus' friendship that are special to me, that are meaningful to me. And the one that sticks out is that Jesus is the friend who never lets me down, who always consistently loves me, even though he knows all the rubbish things I do in life. He always is still with me and he always still loves me and desires to spend time with me. So there we have it. I'm going to run those things again. We we're made to be in friendship with others because we are made in God's image. We need to have deep friendships in life. We need to sacrifice for our friends. Jesus models to us making friends with people who are outcasts in society, people who maybe don't look like us. And most importantly, Jesus offers this hand of friendship to each one of us. Again, I want you to turn to your neighbour now and then in a few moments Anne's going to come and lead us on in our time together. I just want to ask you the question, share this with your neighbour, what does Jesus as a friend mean to you? And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as a friend, just use this as an opportunity. Find someone who is a Christian who sat with you and ask them what does Jesus as a friend mean to you? So let's turn together now, just a couple of minutes and then Anne will come and lead us on in our gathering.